everybody, it's Axel and Andy on 24 Shades of Blue. We're here with James Raymer, Chief of Police, Toronto Police Service. How you doing? Very good. Very good. Amazing. Well, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to be here uh, you know, talking to you. I think this has been a long time coming and we're happy to actually uh, have made this happen because I think, you know, the purpose of, you know, what we're doing for these 24 episodes versus 24 Shades of Blue is, you know, to kind of bridge gaps and let the community know kind of what's going on, um, you know, in your world and, and what we're not seeing in the media and things like that. So, you know, let's talk about it. How was the transfer, you know, from, you know, stepping into the role of chief, especially in these uh, very interesting times, you know, how has that been for you? Actually, well, it's, it's, it's been quite challenging. I mean, uh, it, it's... I'm glad it's, you're honest, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's something that sort of came, uh, came along suddenly. And uh, I, I don't think there's ever been a more challenging time in policing. And so uh, I, I think right from the, the, the first day I, I got in the chair, we've been confronted with some issues that we've had to address. So, um, But having said that, it's also been very enjoyable. I mean, you work with a terrific group of people and you have uh, an opportunity to meet a lot of terrific people throughout the city. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you touched on the times that we're in. I think with difficult times, there's a lot of innovation that can happen, you know. Um, I think, especially with COVID, you've seen so many things that are being innovated in technology as well. And I think in policing, I would love to know about what has, you know, Toronto Police Service been doing, I guess, to innovate around COVID and, you know, with everything happening in the media, you know, in that part of your job, what's different so far? Well, I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. It has caused uh, a lot of innovation. I mean, one of the... The, the largest examples right now is just the way we're dealing with people in the courts, yeah. uh, doing video bails. Uh, and, and now, in fact, we're looking at doing video trials mm-hmm. where officers are testifying from home on certain lower level, uh, you know, criminal trials. And that's that really is unique because, uh, you know, prior to the pandemic, it was really hard to even get the justice system to sort of move to just simply a, a video remand. Yeah. In, in many cases. And so now we're going full circle and, in fact, going to have trials. So I think uh, that's certainly going to be a big change with us. And I think there's a great future in it. Uh, I really think we're going to see some uh, real opportunities to be more effective and e- efficient uh, uh, and, and really modernized in that regard. So and I think it will continue post pandemic because there's been there's been a lot of learning in that regard. And I think to touch on that, you know, sometimes you see through things you know, like COVID, it actually forces you to pivot and it actually forces you to create more efficiencies. So to kind of touch on, could you elaborate a little bit more on some of those efficiencies, how you see that it, it, it just had to take place? There was no ifs, ands, or buts. When this hit, you had to pivot. You had to make something work and, mm-hmm. and work effectively so that it's fair for all as well. Can you elaborate on, on what you see in terms of some of the, the immediate changes? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I t- touched, touched uh, you know, on the court change, and I think that's probably a, a really significant one. And I think like a lot of businesses out there, we've, we've really explored the opportunity for, for some of our staff to work from home um, and, and seeing what some of the benefits of that would, that would be. And we're actually in the midst of developing a policy now uh, to allow some people that might have some, may have some issues with respect to family or children, uh, whatever the case may be, and give them the opportunity uh, on a temporary basis to, to do some of their work from home. Uh, we've only uh, recently developed the, the virtual desktop so we could, they can do some work from home uh, to make it a little easier to do that. So I, I think those kinds of things are, are, are really changing. I mean, we're also, um, you know, very concerned about wellness and always have been. I think it's even more 
has come more to the forefront because we're seeing, I think, the effects of the pandemic on, on, on people's mental health, the frustration. Big time. Uh, I, I, think, I think we've all seen it. And, and we, we see it in our officers as well. Uh, you know, some of them, you know, they're going to work and then they're afraid to interact when they go home because of the type of work that they're doing. And much like yeah. in the, the, you know, the, the hospitals and, and the medical profession, right? So that, that's having a big impact. And so we're trying to adjust to some of those changes. Um, you know, uh, at, I think early on we, we developed a bit of a strategic reserve to give some guys some additional time off to make sure they were staying healthy to come in. Yeah, um, and uh, that worked very well for us. And I think early on we d- we did a really good job. Good messaging, uh, some good strategies, and we had very little um, incidents of the of, of COVID within the organization the first time around. We're seeing a surge the second time, but we're we're, we're maintaining control of it. But um, I, I think uh, more work on it's really caused us to think about the wellness piece. You know, we've had uh, yeah. you know three uh, individuals die by suicide this year. Uh, and I think uh, the pandemic has really brought that to the fore, those issues of mental health and those concerns. And so we're working on those as well. So th- those are some significant, for me, those are some significant changes. For that's, us. that's a really good point because I think, you know, not only does it <clears throat> call for some immediate changes, but it also brings to light certain areas and things that may have been overlooked, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so with the you know, suicide and suicide prevention, um, we're noticing it now because of COVID and the impact that it plays on one's mental. But how, how are you guys transitioning and dealing with that? Well, we're, we're, we're looking at several different options. Uh, even in terms now, we're looking at, a, you know, really trying to reduce stigma really is what you have yeah. to do it. And I, I think it's particularly difficult in the, in the policing profession. Absolutely. I would you know, we, so. we, we are a helping profession and, and people, you know, they, they join this job to actually do that. And, and when you are confronted with a tragic incident, it has a profound impact on that individual. Yes, and you, yeah. you go away with your own demons about, well, could I have done more? Yeah. Um, and, and I think it, it impacts you quite significantly. And I think, you know, a lot of times the public has this TV perception you know, that, that the officers and the investigators are going out there, they're being confronted by, a, a, you know, an incident that's involving deadly force or something. And then they're, you know, they're just back in the next shift. Yeah. Well, that is so far from reality. Exactly. That, yeah. uh, and, and I think sometimes that leaves some people uh, with uh, the wrong impression about the, the impact on policing because it, it truly does have a significant impact on our people. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the one thing we really wanted you know, to speak to you about is that, you know, what, what is the, the general public not seeing? And, and I think you've explained that very well, is yeah. that they go home with their own demons and um, these are things that they have to deal with. So, you know, are there any processes in place, you know, to really make sure that people are, you know, trying to get rid of those demons or at least tame them down in the forest? You know, is there, you know, is there meditation? Or what, are, what are people or what are we doing here to, to help? Well, out? I think we have several things. I mean, we have, you know, we have, uh, we have our psychologists on the service for people to talk with. We have critical incident debriefing teams. Um, and, and uh, you know, we're always, you know, telling people to be, uh, you know, concerned about their physical health and their mental health, being, being active, being social. Uh, and if you feel that you are struggling, come forward. Um, and if you if you see a, a a colleague that is struggling, you know, ask some questions, and uh, and, and and really talk about it because, you know, when I started, uh, you know, quite some time ago now, 1980, it was a much different organization in terms of particularly mental health. Right? It was, 
you know, if, if something happens, just, you know, suck it up. And, yeah, and then, yeah. You know, super taboo. <laughs> it wasn't even yeah. an issue, yeah, really. Exactly. It, it was never, it never even addressed. And, and uh, so now we're, we're much more aware of the consequences mm-hmm. of, of that daily interaction and, and, and the impacts it can have. So we, we are always trying. And, then I, and I think actually something that uh, I, I've been having some discussions with the board now and we're looking to do in the new year and, 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 and as well talking with Dilnes Garda from Beyond the Blue. Uh, it's an organization to, to help officers uh, with mental health. What I'd like to do is introduce a mandatory psychological assessment for members so you know our frontline members maybe whether it's every year every 18 months so that you know you're on parade and and uh acts it's your birthday go see the psychologist yeah so what we do is we remove the stigma and we give the officers the opportunity to go in they may say nothing they may engage and say you know listen i'm, I'm having an issue i want to talk about so it. i think it's i think a big part of it is then basically what you're saying is being proactive you know, Absolutely. sometimes you get far past the line of commitment almost. And, it, it, you know, it's that's when tragedy strikes. So I think that that's key is being very proactive. Um, you know, do you see in the next two to three, four years, however long this pandemic, do you do you feel there's going to be an increase in, in being proactive? Or do you think that there will just be a set mandate and that's how it will be for, you know, for the next foreseeable future? No, actually, I, I think I think the wellness issue, we're learning so much more about it all the time. And, yeah. and, and what's what's interesting about it, which I think is the best, uh, is everybody is talking about it whether it's the Toronto yeah. Police Association, whether it's the um, uh, uh, the Senior Officers Organization, the Toronto Police Services Board, our membership, supervisors, whatever rank you are, everybody's concerned about wellness. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and that is going a long way to reduce the stigma. And so I think the process is going to continually evolve as uh, we get better at it, realize what are some of the better options to exercise. And I think that's going to be a, an ongoing process for the foreseeable future. Uh, we've got a long way to go to make sure that our members have the, the appropriate suite of services uh, to, to ensure their health and well-being. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's huge. I think that's, that's comforting. Um, that's comforting from, you know, my point of view, especially as someone as a civilian, you know, in the public and, and hearing that because um, especially in my age demographic, we're, you know, very concerned, you know, especially uh, with everybody's mental health. And that's something, you know, we take very seriously. And I think I wanted to get in to, you know, the officers um, and as well as yourself as you know, this is your profession. This is clearly a passion. And with all the negative press that's going on, how do you keep going? You know, I, that's what I wanted to know because I, I see it as, you know, you're here to help us all out. And it's always hard, especially when the world is against you. And, you know, we deal that with entrepreneurship every day. If an idea is wrong, um, you know, or something we're doing may seem different. Um, but, you know, with other news out in the world that not even Canada, you know, giving a negative effect on you guys how how are the officers dealing with that and and yourself and how you're able to carry out your job well you know i uh, let, well let me say first of all that that you know clearly since the george floyd incident there's been a reckoning and it, it's long overdue i mean uh, you know so a lot of these groups are making uh, that are out there that are, are protesting and and uh they are there are some very very valid concerns i mean systemic racism exists it exists in every institution it exists in policing and and the the first step in changing is understanding that and recognizing it and we do and we're sort of working towards that um but at the same time we also have um uh you know a whole group of people an entire organization 
the vast majority of which have a genuine and sincere commitment to the profession, and they are doing good work, whether it's in addressing mental health issues, uh, whether, I mean, police officers are very good in dealing with human conflict and disturbances, because that's what we do every day. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I think there's still a lot of good work to be, that we are doing, but there's also always room for improvement, and that's what we're trying to do. And one of those focuses, of course, and I think it's come up very much in the protests, is in the way we address mental health. Absolutely. And, uh, and we are actively working right now to really enhance that program. But I also want to say that, you know, for I, I was looking at some of the stats um, more recently as I took over, and in the last five years, we've probably done in excess of 160,000 mental health calls. And that's a conservative number. Really, right? And uh, we've done very well. Is that unassisted, or do you have? No, that's that's uh, primarily with the police. Although we do have, uh, we had currently ten nurses working in our with our officers in the combined uh, partnered mental, the MCIT program. But uh, uh, and in some cases, those nurses were involved, and it's it's just an incredible partnership and program that we have with the hospitals, and we certainly want to enhance that, and and we're hoping before year end that nurse complement is going to be increased as well, yeah. uh, which will be, but we're also looking at some other aspects of working with some of the city and community agencies to participate with us. But the police are never not going to be involved in mental health calls, particularly where there's violence. We're yeah. the only seven twenty four hour service. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, people can say what they want, mm-hmm. but the only people that are there all the time when you call are us. And, and so there's going to be a certain type of calls and uh, there's going to be certain times when it's, it's, it's clearly going to be the police. And I, and I really want to acknowledge that our people do a lot of really, really good work. And I think that's, you know, looking at talking about how mental health and police, uh, mental health organizations, associations work with police. I think one of the biggest things that, um, you know, the, the people don't necessarily understand is that these calls can be very, very unpredictable. And I think that's the most, from, you know, from, from my understanding, that's, that's where the police have to be there. And then I think, obviously, there's the, you know, the initial uh, visit of the police to the situation. And then there's that exit strategy. And I think people don't see behind the scenes. And I know a lot of different people in, in hospitals. Um, you know, I was talking to the CEO of, of Princess Margaret, and we were just talking about how the hospitals work very close with the police. So they all know each other. So the police are actually, from what I understand, and I'll get you to clarify, um, there's the initial to make sure that everyone's safe. But then when they get to the hospital, there's a there's a, a very close partnership with the hospital. Can you explain a little bit about the exit strategy after the call? Well, the, the, if if for instance we we attend a, a a call for a person in crisis, and and the police um, and and by the way we're the only people that have the ability to arrest if there's a need, mm-hmm. um, um, and that person is arrested and is taken to the hospital, uh, we will be there while that. The, the the person is evaluated and that's where we work very very closely with the yeah. hospital providing background information observations uh, so they that so that can help with their assessment that's quite frankly where where the nurses are such an invaluable part of the MCIT program because when you have a nurse and an officer working together the nurse will be associated to that hospital yeah. so they're already able to go in and triage that process much yeah. better than a police officer can and it makes that whole experience occur much more quickly because our goal at the end of the day is we we want to make sure that person is safe but we want them to be being looked after by the 
people with the expertise yeah. to do that. Yeah. And then from a policing perspective, from a management perspective, I want those officers back on the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get back out there. There's another call yeah. for you to go it to, is, right? So, a, that's, and I was going to say, it's about the de-escalation as well. So I think, you know, sometimes there may be, you know, because... Let's let's call it what it is. When police show up on scene, sometimes people will get their back up, um, you know, uh, compared to when a paramedic may just be there. So I think it's that de-escalization that will happen when that nurse is involved as well, because they're kind they're being blended into the care while being under the watchful eye, making sure that there's no you know crazy behavior. But um, do you find the de-escalization is hard for? the police when they get into the hospital? Is that part of part of no, the goal? No, normally when we get to the hospital, uh, I think we have less problems with the individual, yeah. uh, you know, by that point. And a lot of times when we arrest them, it, it's not a violent issue. It's just clearly that the individual is, is maybe posing a danger to himself, to somebody else, potentially the police. Yeah. I think less often so. It, it's more to himself or somebody else. Yeah. And so the goal is to make sure he gets the care. Because sure. what you don't want is to leave and then there's a subsequent call later and it, clearly the individual's done something and, 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 yeah. and in the worst case scenario is, 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 is deceased. So the, the goal really is, is, is to get them there. So it's not always a violent confrontation. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned de-escalation. I mean, that, that really is the key. I mean, yeah. we, you accomplish so much more with our, you know, yeah. our, our ability to communicate. Talk and communicate yeah, and, absolutely. And um, uh, then you can in any other regard. I mean, we had a, a very recent incident uh, right here at, at Dundas and Bay Street. And um, there was an individual that clearly had, uh, you know, uh, some mental health issues and, and he was struggling on the street and, and, and he was, uh, he appeared to be violent. And so the public was afraid to interact. come in contact and interact. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a couple of male officers actually showed up and he, he still was quite aggressive. And then a female officer, uh, you know, uh, attended the scene and she started talking to him in a very, and it just rendered the whole situation uh, very successfully and, and very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so sometimes, uh, you know, uh, somebody different will just resonate with somebody in a different way. And, yeah. and that's why sometimes it's advantageous to have, uh, you know, we try to have multiple people there because, yeah. you know, you may, you know, you know, may not be real keen on me in the first instance, but you might like my partner. Of course, it's yeah. the different types of energy that they bring, yeah, right? Exactly. Female yeah. officer, female officer, you know, somebody who's maybe less smaller, bigger, you know, and that definitely changes the way the body language communicates. And I just want to touch on the point that, you know, I really appreciated the fact that you said, you know, I want to get my officers back and leave them with the people, you know, who are professional in, in towards of whatever the situation, because my mom, she works in the ER and I'm um, Sinai and uh, you guys keep her safe actually <laughs> when she's down there dealing with, you know, people that they apprehend yeah. and bring them in. So, you know, I, she's, she's like, Oh, I know everybody at, um, uh, what's the one on 52, yeah, 52 division. Right. And, um, yeah, they do a lot of great work there. So, you know, I, I appreciate that fact. Um, and that's why I'm happy to have this conversation here. So, and, and the fact that you also, you know, um, talked about systemic racism and, you know, put that out there. So I want to let you know, I appreciate that. So, and I think a lot of people do too, that you acknowledge that fact. So that's a, that's a great thing. So, um, thanks chief. Um, and I was just going to say, I think, you know, I, I would imagine, and I'll, I'll get you to clarify, but it's, you know, it's, it's something that I I've kind of always lived by in the business world. And, and I know that this is probably even more important in, in the line of work. And, and I've, I've read your background. You've been, 
you are a master of all trades. You've been at, in every division and, and you've led them in some of the more complex areas. And um, it's really about, I think, all together. It's about not what we're doing today, but how we can do it better, more efficiently, mm. more effectively. So I think that, you know, uh, nothing's perfect right now and nothing ever will be perfect. But I think it comes back to as the leader here, you know, your, your, your role is about getting the best out of everybody that 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 um that work for you so i think how do you how do you get the best out of everybody and how do you take um a lot of these issues and and just try and you know just become better how, how do you um set those goals well you know i, I think you have to be uh, you know open and honest and, and and to some extent you you, you lead by example but you know uh, we're, as an organization, and, and I think quite, uh, quite honestly, the, the Toronto Police Services has, has, has a long history of being innovative and, and at the forefront. Yep. Yeah. And, and, um, but I think really one of the key things that we're really trying to do now is, is really to create a, a culture of equity and inclusion and so that everybody feels part of the team. And, and because really the, the best ideas come up from the bottom. You know, they, get, might, they might get pushed down and implemented uh, you know, through my level. But the best ideas come from the people that are doing it every day, and so yeah. we're, I, I, I find, uh, you know, when I when when I when I can have something come up to me like that, uh, that we look at it and go, wow, that that is that'll be a really good initiative. That's that's really going to enhance public safety mm-hmm. or our interaction with the community or, or whatever the case may be. And when we can turn that around and implement that uh, very very quickly, it, it sends a huge message to the organization. And it has, I think, yeah. it really encourages everybody to be involved and participate, and and, and to and, and, and to, to keep that positive attitude. Exactly. Because the, to know that hey, my opinion's relevant. The experience that I'm That's getting it. out yeah. here doing this job all the time, you know, the command is actually listening to me. Yeah. And, and the reality is, I, I think uh, I, I think that's important because that that was important to me when I was driving this old car that you pointed out. <laughs> Classic. It was it was nice to know that. You know, that experience that you were gaining yeah. uh, doing that job every day and that interaction, it meant something to somebody and they were listening. Yeah. And, 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 and I, think that's the, I think that's really important. But we really have to have an organization that everybody feels that they can participate, that they have a voice. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they are, they're a partner in the advancement and enhancement of that organization. Absolutely. And I, and I think, uh, I, I, I honestly do believe we do a pretty good job at that. That's, I was going to ask, I think the obvious question that probably everyone wants to know is what is the most difficult part of your job? <laughs> yeah, we want to know about the chief. As a chief, what is the hardest part? What is the, what keeps you up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat? What is the toughest job for you? Um, and you're talking in my current position. Yeah, correct. Uh, you know what? There, there, there's really uh, no training for this in, in many ways. The, the, from my perspective, the, the policing aspect um, is 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 easy. Uh, frankly, I, I've been, as you mentioned earlier, I've been a, I've been across the organization yeah. in so many different positions. So I have a lot of experience. I've I've seen a lot of change. Uh, I've seen a lot of times where we change and then we just we keep going back because the old way was the better way. And yeah. and then yeah. you see a lot of things that are. Are, are, are good and cha- are result in good change, but I think really for me it's 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 politics. Mm-hmm. It's it, it really is. Yeah. It, it's you know you have uh, uh, we have a we have a you know Toronto City Council. We have a board that has uh, that an oversight board that has politicians as well, 
and and they're and they have to look and represent the entire community of the city that has a vast array of opinions, issues, concerns, and yeah. so we you you have to work in that milieu. And I think that uh, uh, that's probably the most challenging because you know the reality is you cannot please everybody, yeah. and so you got to try to do the best that you can do. Uh, you got to do what you think is right. And I think that's uh, that's what I endeavor to do, but that's probably the biggest issue and the biggest change for me is having to address all of that. Uh, even yeah. being a deputy for five years, I found I did not have it did not have the same demands uh, in that way. And I think too, you know, you don't control any of those things, yeah. right? And I think that's always the toughest part of any career is that um, as much as you know, people think no matter if you're the chief or you're a deputy or you're in, you know, HR, wherever you are, you know, there's, there's, you don't control a lot of those outside factors. So I think, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I'd be curious to find out is how do you deal with, um, cause we can't like everyone, not everyone's easy to deal with. And sometimes, um, people don't see eye to eye. What's your conflict resolution tactics? You know what, I, I, I saw there was a management consultant. I watched uh, one of her programs some time ago named Meg Wheatley, and she made a comment that resonated with me, and it was something to the effect that you can't, uh, you can't hate somebody whose story you know. Mm. And so I think, I think the reality is, is, so what we try to do, is, and what I mean by that is, is, is getting to know people. Yeah. You know, it's why we have our consultative community committees. It's, it's why we're engaging and enhancing in our neighborhood program to get officers out communicating with people every day. Mr. Smith, how are you doing today? Yeah. And the next day you're walking by him again. Um, why we're, we're, we're sort of working on a new um, uh, gang strategy uh, that's with more of a focus on prevention. I mean, it's only one element of our overall program is, I mean, still enforcement is a significant aspect of what we do and is an essential to what we do. And is absolutely necessary. But what we're trying to do is, is really get to know the people more. So these same investigators that are, are, are dealing with gang members on it from an enforcement standpoint are now out there as well talking to the family members that are left behind and getting to know their story a little bit yeah. and say, you know, is there, is there a sibling that we can help you with? Mom, what can we do for you? Is there resources we can redact, redact, uh, redirect yeah. you to? So really for us, that's, you know, we... Crime prevention is a core aspect of our responsibilities in policing, but we tended to do, in, in my view, sometimes it, it was it, it was more it was somewhat superficial. Yeah. And and I think right now we're we're really getting deeper into it, and and uh, and and that's that's to me that contact with people that interaction people is final because once you break down those barriers, yeah. once you get to know the person's story, as as Meg talked about. It's hard to dislike people. And, yeah. and the reality is we see that so often in our organization. You'll see people that will come into our consultative committee and they'll, and they'll come in and they're, they're aggressive because they, they really didn't, you know, they want to do something to help their community but not really crazy about the police. And then, you know, yeah. they spend several months there and the next thing you know they're going, well, <laughs> I, I really like you guys. You're like, you're decent people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, After a while. you know, it's that getting to know that helps with the reasonable dialogue. And, mm -hmm. and once you have the reasonable dialogue, that's when you can advance something. So, so that's, you know, I see this from Toronto police reaching out, you know, to the community. In terms of the community, looking at the police, you know, what, what should the people know uh, from Toronto police's end versus what they're seeing in the media? Because there's a lot of, you know, mixing up happening. What do you think they should be doing, you know, to either maybe get the full story or, um, you know, what are some things they should know um, to basically understand you better? Come and talk to us. 
you know, talk to that officer that's uh, walking in your neighborhood. You know, join one of our consultative communities. Uh, actually be informed. Don't form opinions without actually understanding the reality of what's going on and, and the reality of what we do deal with, uh, the reality of how extensive our training is. You know, uh, you know we're, we're doing so much more training in terms of anti-black racism, mm-hmm. uh, for example. Uh, uh, we have intense training in de-escalation. You know, and trying not to, and, and to have alternatives to, uh, you know, deadly force in terms of dealing with people, particularly maybe a person in crisis. Yeah. Giving, making sure that, understanding the tools and options that we have, the, the expertise of some of our individuals, you know, uh, and the training. Like I, you know, we had just a couple of days ago, we had our ETF members executing a warrant for some, some guns with some uh, gangbangers, and they, they go into the house to execute their warrant, and they're immediately, there's about five rounds they're shot at, and a couple of the rounds go right into drywall next to one of the officers. You know, and they have oh. to step back, they have to adjust, and they go right in, and, yeah. and they end up arresting the people inside. And, and I think there was five people and a, a couple of young offenders and a, a woman in there, but they didn't fire around. Mm. You know, they're not, uh, they're not going to, you know, just start firing through walls. I mean, that's, but that speaks to training. Yeah, yeah. That speaks to a level of excellence people need to appreciate. Uh, in terms of the work that they're doing. I mean, that, that, that whole situation is not dissimilar to what happened in the state, United States with Breonna Taylor. Yes. Yet, uh, this was the response we had here in the city. So that mm-hmm. speaks to the excellence of their organization. So get to know your organization and, and the people in it. And uh, because we want to get to know you, because that's going to help us uh, do our job. And, and that's what officers want to do. It's a much more interesting day when you're walking that beat for yeah. you know, eight or 10 hours and you're having a lot of fun community, communicating and talking to people, helping uh-huh. with them with some issues that you can, than just walking up and down the street and not talking to anybody. It makes for a very long day. So I we want to talk to people and we want to be engaged and we want to help because as I said earlier, that's why you join. It's a helping profession. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I really want to dive into you more in terms of like your personal, you know, opinion and I guess, um, you know, how has it affected your mindset on the job? I want to know your why, you know, on, on how you continue to do this for so many years, despite everything, despite all the challenges you've gone through personally, as well as, you know, um, with the media, you know, what is it for you that has kept you going? Well, you know, I, I, I think, uh, quite honestly, I, I've been very fortunate. I mean, I've, I've, had, a, I've had a great a career. I, I, I had uh, great mentors and, and had uh, great opportunities to really experience the organization in so many different areas. And, and the reality is, it's, you know, when you look at policing, you're, you're able to work for one organization, but do so many different jobs. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and, and um, um, you know, I, I spent five years in a homicide squad, and it was probably some of the most satisfying work that I did. It had a huge impact on family, and, and I, yeah. you know, after five years, I, I, I sort of got that uh, ultimatum at home that, you know, yeah. maybe it's time you need to do something different. Um, uh, and, and uh, you know, but it was great to have those opportunities and those, those experiences. And, and every, every place I went, you, again, uh, you were able to interact with other people in the organization that you hadn't met. And you just keep meeting good people. And I, uh, I think, you know, after 40 years, that's why I'm still here. I mean, I, I, I enjoy the work. It's a great place to come to work and the people you work with. And I think, quite frankly, that's, that's, that's the biggest component. Because let's face it, if you weren't happy and, and it was yeah. a burden to come in, 
Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm that's excited. A lot of about, time. I'm excited about Monday morning to come back into work. And that's what everybody should be feeling. Yeah. Like, and, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I sometimes look at it and people say, well, you know, maybe you should retire. And I'm thinking, yeah, I, I don't know what I, uh, if I'm ready to do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm really enjoying myself. Like I say, I've been very, very unfortunate. It's been a great job and, and, uh, I, I can't emphasize enough, uh, the, the great people you work with. And so many of them now that the, the, the people that came before me and, and that were senior to me that have retired and then we'll get together for breakfast and yeah. the different groups in policing across the organization that exist to do that. Yeah. You know, even for some of the guys that complained about the job and said, oh, <laughs> I, I got to retire as soon as I can. But they're always want to know about what's happening. You don't realize until you miss we it. go for breakfast. Exactly. Exactly. Precisely. Do, do, you, do they ever comment, you know, on, um, I mean, now that you're in the role of chief, you know, how your organization has done a lot of things differently. And, you know, what are you most proud of since you've stepped into this role? You know what? It's, 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 it's only really been three months. So. <laughs> I mean, it feels like longer. It feels like half a year. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. No, I, I mean, we're t- you know, you, you just, you're trying to, to, to move the organization, uh, keep moving it forward. And, and I think that's what everybody's tried to do. And, and that, that's certainly been our history, and we're trying to do that. It, it's, 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 it's definitely a difficult, challenging time. And, and we really have to work with the community, right? And, and we're trying that. I mean, uh, the board there in, 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 um, in August there, we, we put forth uh, 81 recommendations that uh, they've directed me to complete in terms of really enhancing all kinds of policing from all levels and, and particularly with mental health and dealing with the community. And it's so, and then one of the things I did was I, I reconstituted a, a much smaller pacer group uh, yeah. that we had from our, our pacer group from several years ago. And what is that exactly? Well, it, it was, it was, it, 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 pacer really uh, it came out of, of the whole carding issue. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was members of the community coming together to really look at how we could be doing things differently. And, and of course, they looked at the impact on that, that carding had on, on, on the community and, and then offered recommendations. And so I, I've really reconstituted that program for, to actually finish off some of the recommendations that were still outstanding. One of them in particular is, is, is know your rights. But then also to use those people to as as advocates uh, and overseers to help and to actually t- to be consultants yeah. so that when we're doing work on these recommendations he's doing recommendations we're gonna we're gonna go to them and say listen have a look at this do you got any input or suggestions on how we can maybe do this differently but they are involved like it's re- really about procedural justice right it's yeah. really getting to know the organization getting involved on the front end we're not taking a program that's completed and say, here, sign off on this, yeah. I like this. No, they're right on the ground level, uh, understanding what we need to do, um, but also understanding the expectations of the community and really helping us to try to get it right. Absolutely. And uh, they're a cross-section of the community. Again, people that with a genuine and sincere commitment to advance the community, but, but also wanting to legitimately work with the police and, and really help us uh, do it better and be better. So, so there's things like that uh, uh, that I'm, 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 I'm really happy about. And a uh, and, and number of the people I, I've known for years as, as well, uh, you know, having worked with them in the community in, 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 different, uh, in different positions I've been in. And uh, so I, I'm, really, um, I'm really positive about that because I think that's going to a, a long way to really give some... Uh, you know, recognition to the changes we're going to make as an organization and to have them to be, as I 
as I said earlier, to be advocates for that because they've actually participated in enhancing and building that program for us, right? I think that's a, that's a huge piece for us. And and I'm, I'm really happy about that. Uh, uh, we're making some other changes in the organization um, in terms of the way, uh, you, you know, we do things. We're currently in the midst of sort of even uh, changing a, a, our, our position with respect to strip searches, which has been very controversial over the years, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and really changing the way we do that. Um, um, but, uh, and actually, I, I think one of the other things uh, doing is, is a key, uh, really changing and enhancing um, our, our position with respect to uh, traffic safety and enforcement. Mm. Uh, I'm a firm believer that um, traffic enforcement is, again, it is a core responsibility of policing. And, and when you look at some of the driver behavior in the city, I think we got away from some of that focus. You know, we instituted a warning program several years ago, and 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 uh, you know, it's it's like talking to your kids, right? Yeah. Warnings. We know how warnings work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't go so far, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, we 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 so I've redirected some resources into that function, giving them the tools to do the job, and uh, I, I think we're going to really see some improvement in in, in uh, driver behavior. And when you think of you know all the bike lanes we're going on, mm-hmm. you know the 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 density of the city, the way it's building, it's and the pedestrian <laughs> traffic and everything yeah. else. Yeah. I mean, you you can't have people driving like idiots, and yeah. and so. Uh, uh, a, a lot more focus on that. So, the, I mean, in the short term, these are you know some of the changes that we're doing. And then, of course, we have to address uh, the budget for 2021, which is going to be difficult because we're in the midst of a pandemic. Yes. And, and the entire city is hurting. And There's and unforeseen these, costs too, right? Absolutely. The, unforeseen yeah. costs and just the difficulty of, you know, who's who's has the ability to pay taxes? Who's working? Yeah. Uh, you look at the, the, the towers down here and, and how empty they are and some of the businesses that are just suffering down there. So, and, and, and you know, policing as every other agency is going to have to do their part to have, to sort of work through this. So, and, and uh, but it's going to be a difficult few years as, as we come back from this. I think, I think from what you had mentioned to, to wrap up, um, you know, I think in closing from both sides, you know, the police and the community, um, it sounds to me, Basically, what you're saying is that both sides need to look at the education component to each other and also the relationships. So relationships and education, I think, is is really what I took as the important message that everybody needs to harness that passion and and really start building and getting to know one another and 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 educating themselves on, you know, what has happened, what is happening and more most importantly, what are we going to do? Uh, moving forward to be better. Yeah, it's just moving. I think everybody just needs to keep moving and you know, moving to change, right? right? You know, for the better. So. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I think you nailed it. The getting to know piece is huge, right? I mean, listen, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to acknowledge when we're wrong and I'm prepared to uh, accept criticism. But, you know, it's, it's still a pretty outstanding organization and, and it has a long and proud history. And I think we, we do a lot of good things well. So, Please, let's acknowledge some of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very absolutely. much for thank joining us. Thank you so much for your time. So much. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it. 24 Shades of Blue, out.